I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Pilot Episodes. I'm JB, and as usual, I'm joined by our three intrepid Sky Guardians. Every one of them a national asset. How are we, chaps? In fact, no, don't answer that. How are we, Godfrey? Oh, I'm very fine. Thank you very much, JB. Duncan, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Glorious, thanks. And Parky? Yeah, absolutely glorious. Uh, do you see what I did there? I introduced you all really quickly because you can't keep quiet whilst I'm talking to talking to one of you in our normal introductions. Melody, right? I'm not going to say anything now. Perfect. So, who wants to go first? Tell me what you've been doing since we spoke last. Duncan. All right. Well, I think... I'm going to drop this in there. I think after we did the A380, I jetted off to India, wow. which was very interesting. Because you and I have both been globetrotting a bit, haven't I? I've been f- stalking you on Twitter a bit. And you've been off down to the south of France, haven't you? Oh, yeah. And not only have I been down to the south of France, I saw the French display team. Whoever yeah, they are. so we should talk about that a little bit, shouldn't we? Yeah, completely. I, mean, I saw them for... About three seconds, uh, we were flying into Marseille, and that's they were... their whole show. Really? Is, it, is that it? <laughs> uh, yeah. They... Yeah, and they, um, I guess there were something like ten planes all doing a very tight. Well, let's say tight loop. Uh, would it be a loop? Yeah, a loop. It's awesome. I think the eight of them, JB. Is it eight? Well, it was. Yeah. Uh, I, I couldn't quite count. I, I was literally watching it out of the window of my aircraft, which is great. <laughs> right. <laughs> Lovely. What was, uh, what was India like, Dunk? Uh, well, it, was, uh, it was mental, to be honest. I mean, have you, uh, I mean we went there uh, together, didn't we, Parky? Yeah, yeah. Oh, which we went over great. to, uh, yeah, we went to, to Hinden, yeah, uh, which is sort of nearby Delhi. Uh, but this time I went, um, um, I, I went a little bit further south to Hyderabad. Ah. Uh, but it was, I mean, it's fantastic to be there. We were looked after marvelously, uh, and it was very interesting looking at how the uh, how the Indians do their training and what they're up to at the moment. But then, just to uh, just because we weren't quite happy enough with india we then jetted over to sri lanka uh, and spent uh, three days in sri lanka looking at their air force which again was very interesting now uh, the sri lankans have a bunch of ba hawks am, am, am i wrong yes you are wrong who am i thinking well, they... of then oh, anyway, it doesn't so, matter 
so they have what they have is they've got they've got quite a lot of chinese stuff Ooh. so uh, they've got a thing called a pt6 which is a chinese built yak 6 i think but it's not a tail dragger it's a nose wheel um um prop aircraft and they use that uh, it's a fantastic aeroplane to, to look at i'm hopefully going back there in march and uh, i'm looking forward to to flying that that would be amazing yeah they've got uh, k8 which is again a i think a chinese pakistan conglomerate which make uh, a two-seat garrett engined kind of like a hawk but with a straighter wing and uh, doesn't quite go as fast uh and then um They've got a bunch of helicopters, so they've got my 17s, all of their my 24s, their Heinz don't, they're not flying anymore. So they've got these uh, my 17s for transport, uh, and they've got sort of Bell 212s, 214s, I think. So they've, they've got a bunch of stuff. And on the fighter front, they've got um, what they call F7s, which again is a Chinese copy of a MiG 21. Uh, and they've also got Kafir C7s, which Ooh, they are Israeli, yes. Yeah, Israeli Mirage copy. Wow. Yeah. That's exciting stuff. It was. It was amazing to go over there and uh, and spend some time with those uh, those guys. I hope we'll go back again. Tell me this, Doug. How do um, the Indians cope with operating so many types from so many different countries? Yeah, they say that's uh, that was one of the things we did talk to them about, and uh, they say it's very difficult. You know, engineering-wise, it's uh, it, it makes it very tricky. And, of course, I guess probably politically in terms of defence spending and things, it makes things quite tricky as well because they're buying different kit from competitors, effectively, and not just competitive um, industry but competitive countries as well so yeah they I mean, we didn't go into much detail but they certainly said that that was uh, a difficulty they must have some flipping brilliant engineers yeah i guess so yeah mm. uh and godders what have you been up to well i've been up to various things but nothing near as exciting as uh, as young duncan there um We've been, you know, at work, there's been a lot of stuff going on with F-35, uh, carrying out the um, the carrier trials, monitoring that, which have gone fantastically well. I guess you guys have seen the videos. Yeah. But, um, they've uh, they got all the test points that they needed to, in fact, got a lot more than they needed to, and uh, have sort of dipped into uh, next year's trials. And they've, uh, specifically, the one they were looking to trial and see how it was, was the shipborne rolling vertical landing, the SRVL. And uh, don't know whether you saw the video on that, but... Um, a complete non-event when the ship's sort of steaming at 20 knots forward you've got a bit of wind over the deck the thing you know at a sort of 60 70 knot approach landed and stopped in about three feet which is yeah. brilliant <laughs> what and, is uh, what is the point in the rolling landing compared to the vertical landing there's a bit of lift over the wing as well so uh, it just allows you to uh, to bring back uh, either more fuel or more weapons oh. so got Got the that rear nozzle's just a little bit aft, is it? It's not fully fully vertical, and it's still using the other engine as well. Uh, yeah, so it's, it is using the lift engine at the time. So the big bin lead is up at the front. For anyone listening, there's two engines and an F35B. Um, one, the lift fan made by Rolls Royce, and the other one, the Pratt and Whitney uh, F135. The Pratt and Whitney one puts the thrust out the back with a movable nozzle that um, I think I retweeted it, so I have a look at my timeline. Uh, 
clearly alien technology that makes this thing wang around at the back and, and turn down and does its own thing. And then the lift fan obviously provides the uh, lift at the front. And then there's these two little, um, I think they call them roll posts, which are, are jets that, uh, that come out of the wing roots, which provide stability. So essentially you've got four jets uh, to, give it that, um, uh, to give it that stability. But if you are approaching at about 60 knots, 70 knots, then uh, not everything in perfect lift configuration uh, but the aircraft does it for you you know uh, having flown it a couple of times in a simulator it's pretty damn easy um it's a stupid question on the other variants of the f-35 where there is only one engine what is in the place of where that fan is <laughs> to rise and relax parkinson <laughs> bit, a, bit of fuel bit of um i think have you ever seen those 16 wheeler trucks that have a sort of uh, bedroom behind the uh, behind the back <laughs> yes yeah so i think you know an f35c or an a you can just park up in a lay-by and have a kip oh nice <laughs> well, kit. Uh, and uh parky as the as the days draw shorter i assume so do your flying hours yeah that is very very true yeah i managed to squeeze in a couple of hours uh, I guess two weeks ago, down to flew Leon Solar right down by Portsmouth. So took the spit down, flew a couple of passengers and flew back to Duxford. It was a bit of a cheeky crosswind day, um, but it was good. The, the, it's just, just been so, uh, you know, rubbish, hasn't it? So it's just, uh, it's clearly not the time really to be doing it this time of year. But uh, yeah, no, got a couple of hours, which is lovely. And Donners. Can I just ask, so it's got two little jet engines, one in each wing as well, the F-35B? <laughs> no, it oh. hasn't. Parky's little it... plane's exploded, hasn't it? <laughs> if you were on social wing? media, Parkinson, which we do have to talk about today, because sure. you get grief on there, on, and I've got what looks like a surprisingly enormous fan base already. But the... Um, no, it's just bleed air that comes yeah, from the engine. Don't uh, tell him, pa- don't tell him, Goddard. It's two little hamsters in each wing, Parky, <laughs> yeah. and what they do is they run really fast. There's another thing that won't start. Yeah, so it just bleeds like, is that like the Harrier-esque in as much as it, you had the same thing, didn't you? Didn't you have, oh, God, I've got Didn't you have um, air blowing out the wings on that bad boy as well? Yes, we did. There was <laughs> air. <laughs> The RCVs, the reaction, no, RCVs? Uh, uh, reaction control ducts, wasn't it? Ds, yeah, those things. Yeah, there was air that came out and came out the wingtips, top and bottom, and the, and the back, sort of left and righty as well, and the nose. They put that in so you could bow. Well, I'm going to tell you what, what I've been doing. How's that? Yeah. What have you been doing, JB? Well, other than flying around Europe watching rugby... Um, which I do, which I did two week, two weekends ago, and watching the French display team. I went to Harlequins to watch some rugby. Now I, I will tell you why I'm telling you this now. And I was staggered because the amount of people that came up to me and said, "I listen to your rugby podcast," but by the way, I love pilot episodes. Was uh, absolutely amazing. And not only that, there seems to be an amazing crossover between rugby and aviation. So I found out last week that Sail Sharks coach John Callard prides himself on knowing the engine sound of almost every plane coming into Manchester Airport. That's weird. That is weird. Yeah. You need to get him on the podcast and test him. Oh yeah, that's a great shout. 
Find out he's a bluffer. Um, <laughs> actually, they all look the same, and he's only saying this to um, to rugby players who know no different. So he could be saying like, "Yeah, that's the Airbus Z8," and they would never know. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure some of different airliners have the same engines. That's a great point, actually. I, no, 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 no. The point is that I think the seven eight seven is that the Dreamliner seven eight seven eight seven that has three different engines. Exactly. Uh oh, John Callard's in massive trouble here. So, <laughs> so that's the first one. Now, here's a second one, which is even more interesting. I interviewed a gentleman who you might know called Matthew Tate today. So, God knows. Uh, I know who he is. Yeah. Yeah, he played for England. Blah blah blah, and he's just done his PPL. No, sorry. Oh, is he? He's finished his PPL. It's lapsed. He's not got. He's not got enough time. So I said, "Oh yeah, well yeah, I do this podcast it's called Pilot Episodes with some pilots." Blah blah blah. And um, he goes, "Oh, well, that's interesting because me and um, someone Dickinson, I can't remember his name now, the uh, scrum off from Hampton." He goes, "Yeah, we uh, did some coaching for the RF Sevens team. So as a reward, they put us in some tornadoes and fl- and flew us about. I couldn't believe it." That's great, isn't it? Yeah, well... Oh, that's good, JB. You need to come yeah. and coach some. Well, exactly. I need to do something. But then it made me think, there are people out there like Godders probably showing off, you know, at the bar. You know, I'm, uh, I'm in the RAF. I can get you in a, uh, a, a tornado. And before you know it, for basically half an hour's worth of, worth of coaching with some England internationals, he's got them in two, what, 50 million quid jets. National security's been compromised just so someone in the RAF can show off. <laughs> It's not normally coaching that he's asking. <laughs> I, can, I can see it now. Oh, yeah. I do, I do, uh, I do passenger trips on a, on a weekly basis in typhoons. <laughs> <laughs> Some bloke called Bernard you met in the bar. Yeah. Oh, it- no, 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 no. He was, uh, he was a big benefactor to the Godfrey Pension Fund. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I if only if, if only those your rank, you need a big benefactor to the Godfrey mm. Pension Fund. I think it's probably all right. I, I would like to clarify uh, legal purposes that I don't fly anyone for money, or, nor does the Royal Air Force. That <laughs> <laughs> favours is a different matter altogether. Um... <laughs> yeah. Mm. Although, uh, but, uh, but JB, just uh, the, the when you talk about people going, oh, you know, and find people that uh, that actually surprisingly like the podcast. I got a text actually from. Uh, uh, a friend of mine who's uh, out in Omar uh, today. Who uh, so, hello, hello, Greg, and uh, he said, uh, "Just been trying the podcast. Strangely addictive." Ooh, take That's that! How it was described. Is <laughs> that the Greg Perilou? No, no, it's not. It's uh, it's Greg Baker, not Greg Underhill. No, still not. Uh, no, still not. We're going to go through a lot of Gregs, couldn't we? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so I wanted to talk today about giving orders, receiving orders, so on and so forth. You know, le- leadership. Um, but that, we're not going to do that. People. We're not going to really do that. Uh, we're going to talk, talk about tanking, and then we're going to do some questions. Um, just before we get kick off... Away. You've just given the game away, JB. I think people like this, or three people like this, because we're completely unscripted and don't, and don't plan what we're going to say. Outside of that, that is your... <laughs> that, that, that is literally it. That I thought I'd, just I just broken the fourth or fifth or sixth wall. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I thought I'd, I'd kick this off with you, Godders, which is I don't know if you're even able to answer this. What are they going to do on the Queen Elizabeth for tanking? Oh, straight for that one. Um, yeah. So he's a discussion. Out. Hey? 
No, I'm still, I'm still there, aren't I? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's discussion at the moment, actually, as to um, you know what sort of aircraft do we go and look at uh, if tanking is required um, off of the Queen Elizabeth? Because Cessna. It, in <laughs> most places that you go uh, in the world with a uh, with an aircraft carrier, actually, you know, there's some large. Uh, air campaign going on or or uh, or you have uh, those sort of long range air uh, land based tankers available to you um and so uh you know we're just at the moment there's a discussion as to whether we actually need any uh, any tanking on the airplane if uh, on the aircraft carrier if we do you know there's all sorts of options out there the marine corps are looking at uh, uh v22s nice. uh, boeing uh, uh um, are building a sort of upgraded version of the B-22, and they've done air-to-air refueling with that really successfully already. Um, and if you ever see a picture of one of those things, I, I, again, I tweeted one of those not so long ago, they look like Transformers, the way they fold up into... Amazing, aren't they? ...on the back of the, uh, you know, so take up absolutely no space um, on the uh, on the decks of these aeroplanes and in the uh, in the hangars. So I think that would be a pretty neat solution. But um, it's it's a conversation we're having at the moment. You know, the buddy-buddy um, refueling, probably not going to be a thing with F-35, I guess. I mean, there's, uh, you know, I, I don't actually know whether the U.S. Navy are looking at that with the F-35C or whether they're just going to stick around with um, their F-18 tankers. But again, that doesn't give a huge amount of gas there. So it's a, uh, you know, it's not going to be an interesting one. Have you got any ideas as to what we could use? Well, I, I don't know. I just find it... I, I'm not sure I think it's a good idea that we're just going to rely on a tanker being there should we need to go there, is my first my, my first oh, thought. I, but no, I, I, I mean, not, the Osprey I'm seems... I'm saying that. Okay. But, like, the, the Osprey <laughs> seems like a pretty, you know, a, a pretty reasonable reasonable solution. Yeah, Are you I, just I, laughing, Parky. <laughs> no, it's quite Yeah, we we sort of launched, and luckily we found a tanker. I think that was <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's how it's always worked for me. <laughs> Ooh, look at that! <laughs> right to me. Actually, there's a good story there of. Um, Dunk will know who I'm talking about, um, and I work very closely with him right now, so I, I won't mention any names. But there was a, there's a famous story of launching off of the carrier. Dunk may well have been part of this foreship, actually, but uh, they went to go and refuel off of a VC-10, a jet aeroplane, uh, obviously, the uh, the engines at the back. And as this foreship gently glides on a perfect intercept towards this aeroplane, I think it was the number two noticed it had four propellers. However, the number one propeller didn't notice whatsoever so put his probe out came up and sat right next to it meanwhile the other three had backed off about two and a half miles because it was an iranian p3 orion wow was it you dunk no sadly it wasn't me i mean i'd have thoroughly enjoyed that but i was on the squadron at the time um and it hasn't done a fella that that did it any harm has it let's uh, let's put, put let's put it that way uh, he's doing it all right well yeah <laughs> there was also a story about a couple of, I'm going to say typhoons or tornadoes, escorting a Argentine C-130 around the Falklands, and then dummied taking taking fuel off it, and then the the C-130 extended its little hose, and then both parties backed out. Oh, well, yeah, you know, because you never know what they would have been throwing down the back there. You've got to be very careful of the type of fuel they're giving you. Yes, actually. 
Uh, the uh, I don't know if you put it. Have you put it on the um, on the Twitter feed, God? Is that uh, that video that you sent round earlier of the uh, the tanking mishaps? Yes, that is on the Twitter feed. And if anyone is listening, just go and have a look at it. There are. Um, in fact, we might. <laughs> I might talk through it frame by frame. Sparky, you're not on social media, so you won't have seen this, will you? No, I did. I saw the tanking. Yeah, boys just uh, jousting and missing and uh, doing some. Oh yeah. And the, the AWACS coming off and all sorts. Yeah, the AWACS. Yeah. And, the, uh, and the CH-53 taking its own probe off, cut itself in half with its own <laughs> propeller. <laughs> Can you imagine all that at all, thinking the blades are going to fall off? I'm just imagining, though, I, mean, I know we can't do it because we're a podcast, but I'm imagining the two pilots looking at each other <laughs> with big wide eyes and what they said next. Oh, dear. <laughs> I can imagine the two pilots sat there one of them being you just staring with a massive vein in his forehead about to push the bug out of the door <laughs> well you're assuming it wasn't me that cut my own probe off <laughs> didn't you have a basket go through your canopy dunk no it's kind of you to, uh, to remember that in, uh, in that particular way but no uh, it wasn't me on this particular case it seems like you <laughs> was that you on the p3 orion dunk no no that wasn't me honest didn't you put a basket through your canopy uh well, no no honestly i didn't someone um, you've, you've told a story on this podcast before about someone who put a basket through his canopy and it got very very cold very quickly let's go home yeah yeah yes. we, that's current station commander marham Yes, there I've named him. I've outed him. <laughs> he outed him before, if you remember. So well, God has attached the story and said no names, but he's the station commander at Marham. <laughs> wow. Who's, who's, um, I think I mentioned it before, but you know, for anyone who uh, is new to the pod and uh, and doesn't or doesn't remember it because they turned off when I was talking, but it's it was Ian Townsend. Uh, Ian Townsend. <laughs> he was. Um, he was doing his first solo tanking trip because I think we used to go up in the two seater. Um, and have a thrash around with uh, a fairly scared instructor pilot in the back when you go off and, uh, and do your tanking for the first time. And we could talk more about that in a minute. But uh, he was off the coast of Newcastle, one of our tanking tow lines, as we call them there. Well, and just before you go on, though, God, as if you remember, there was no probe on the T uh, on the T bird, was there? So you went up, you went up with no probe, as I remember. And then, I think you just went and had a look. Oh, so just mm. had a look at being in formation close to the basket. Yeah, I maybe I've got that wrong. Maybe cool. I'm going mad, but I can't remember there being a T bird. Sorry, what what's the T bird? Is it a trailer? Sorry, the, yes, the um, the T ten, which is the two seat variant. Ah, okay. Call me stupid, right? Why didn't you just attach a little bit of metal on there so you could at least pretend to tank? Uh, there's all sorts of rules about that, JB. It does sound like a simple thing to do. We'll just pop a little bit of metal on the side of the plane here. Yes. But there's a few rules and regs. The engineers tend to get a bit shirty about it. I don't know why. <laughs> if only anyway, life was that simple, JB. They make a bit of that, to me, is eminently, eminently sensible and surely not beyond the wit of, of the OAF to figure that one out. Yeah, that's a big assumption you've just made there, JB. We were saving you taxpayers' money, JB. Oh, okay. Oh. Oh. <laughs> 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 taxpayers' money. Shut up. I'm a taxpayer. Um, 
Yeah, so he goes up for his first uh, tanking trip and um, gets it a little bit wrong. And if you watch that video, you can see how it can go wrong really quickly because there's two aeroplanes in very close formation with a uh, with a big old hose that's very heavy, filled with fuel and a, and a big basket on the back. And the basket is weighs a lot as well. And uh, he got it wrong. The basket came around the top, smashed onto the top of the canopy and smashed the canopy. So, oh. you know, the canopy flew off. One of the issues you've got there is has, uh, and don't mention it when he had his bird strike, has any of it gone down the engine? So he had to divert at that point. Said as he was flying into Newcastle, had the world's worst ice cream headache as he was flying along in this Cabriolet Harrier. And since then, we, we all had three-letter um, call signs, if you like. It was uh, when we were writing the, the schedule, the program for the day, rather than writing a full name, it was you just had a three, what was termed trigraph. Um, and he became known as uh, Cab after that, for Cabriolet. Oh dear, oh dear. Yes, I can't imagine that you uh, that you live that one down very. Uh, no, he's he's. I think he quite enjoys it now, you know, because it is it is a bit of infamy. Mm. Uh, now, is tanking particularly hard? Yes, I think it's it's no. a very. <laughs> it's, <laughs> It's a very strange thing. Obviously, you do close formation. I remember the first time you go up and to actually hit something whilst flying. And that's kind of what it feels like. You know, you're, you're just going to push a probe into this basket that's sort of just gently wanging around in front of you. And did, did you, you boys, you wouldn't look at the basket, would you, on the Harrier? You'd kind of look at the aircraft or some reference or something like that. Because if you, if you chase the basket, you tend to over-control and, uh, and miss horrendously. But it's That's just right. a very weird thing to do, isn't it, to actually plan to hit something for the first time? Yeah, I suppose so. I bet you're right. We didn't look at the program. We weren't supposed to anyway. I don't think it's worth it. it, it God doesn't fly enough, aeropl- enough hours on any aeroplane to have been tanking on an aeroplane, did he? Have you done tanking, Goddard? <laughs> oh, just a little bit. Um, <laughs> well, enough I was in a, in, anyway, enough it in a looks load like of different looked, there, there, is a, there is a probe on a T-10, it turns out. Oh, right. All right. So it wasn't that insane, then, was it, to attach a bit of metal to a... a You know, a a moving bit of metal that could maybe, you know, transfer fuel to fuel. Wow. Wow. Who would have thought it? Right. So, JB, are you... Do you... um, Do you understand how the system works and everything? Well, the answer is, you know, visually I kind of get it. I would like to know the difference between the two systems and why there are two systems. That would be quite cool. Well, so I think it's, you know, the same reason we, we drive on the left and right hand side of the road um, from here in America. It was, uh, you know, the, uh, the uh, Americans and the Brits, uh, it was Alan Cobham, wasn't it? Uh, found Cobham? Cobham Armour? Was that Cobham? And Cobham, Cobham, the, the armour company? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, so, well, not, they're a, uh, they do an awful lot of uh, different stuff, but they started it like refueling because uh, they... Um, what was the company? Flight Refueling Aviation, I think, FR Aviation. And and so Alan Cobham, I think, in, invented it for, for the U, from a UK perspective in the 40s, I think it was. I think they've been mucking around with, with all sorts of different type of tankers from the, from the 20s onwards, you know, when they really? could put a fuel can in one aeroplane and then sort of wind a hose down to another one. And, uh, and so with the probe and drogue method happened over here and then um it was the uh what was the other one called completely gone the boom boom and something boom and <laughs> don't know 
We're getting old, Parky. Flipping the, the, the best thing about the boom and whatever it was called was as the you basically just sort of flew underneath the uh, American tanker or the Dutch had a tanker and then they would plug you. So it was much easier, I thought, to do it. But the coolest thing was you had an intercom with the boom operator. So you could have a nice little chat and this sort of voice would come on and go, hey, how are you doing today? And, and uh, yeah, you're full up and then uh, off you go. It was weird. No, I, I had that um, post-September the 11th. Uh, I was flying a combat air patrol over the top of Washington, D.C. And, um, it, you, you know, it was about a four-hour cap. So we went to refuel halfway through. Um, it was actually Thanksgiving on 2000 and, in 2001, so the end of November. Mm-hmm. And I remember plugging for the first time. Uh, so the guy inserted the uh, inserted the boom, and then he'd start talking to you. He'd go, "Hey, uh, how you doing? Can I get your tail number?" And uh, and then we start chatting away. And I was chatting away. And he went, uh, "Excuse me, sir, are you a Brit?" I went, "Yes." He said, uh, "I, I, are you allowed to be flying over DC?" I went, "Oh, you know what? I never asked." <laughs> <laughs> And uh, <laughs> funny enough, actually, about two weeks after that, they stopped me flying. <laughs> so I reckon you grasped me up. Yeah. Excellent. Um, Paul, you must have spent like, most of your life next to a, uh, a tanker doing what you did. Running away. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Getting enough fuel so he could run away further. Yes. Um, I haven't run away far enough. Could I have some more fuel, please? <laughs> 200 miles of iron front line. Yeah, loads of tanks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, have you boys, did you boys tank off uh, C-130 to Hercules? Yes, you, hated it. Yeah, that was a bit weird, wasn't it? Yeah, it's flying a bit too slow, but that was a good one. I remember the... the did you the, the F3 or F4? Uh, F4 in the Falklands, they had a uh, Herc tanker down there. And then I think then the VC-10 came down. That was the smallest basket in the world. The, yeah. JB, you know, that basket that's on the yeah. end of the, uh, the drogue. The, the Hercules, for some reason, had this tiny little thing. And, and so I remember I was brand new on the squadron, actually. I'd only just done tanking once at home. And uh, I went out to Italy when we were doing the Bosnian thing in the mid-90s. Um, so, you know, got all my war gear on, um, out the door, and Dumbo was the call sign of the... Uh, uh, of the tanker on our tasking order. And I could see the guy I was flying with went, oh. And I went, what's that? He said, well, you'll see. So we took off. And it was huge thunderstorms out over the Adriatic and pitched up behind this Hercules with these tiny, it looked like a plastic cup wanging around <laughs> on, the back of, on the back of this Hercules. And, and because of the size of the Herc as well, uh, it was bouncing up and down in this thunderstorm. Um, and we found a bit of clear air and the hoses sort of stopped wanging about a bit. Um, you know, you went to go and plug, then you'd miss and the hoses would be going up and down by about 10 or 20 feet. And I just wow. kept, I was watching my fuel go down thinking, this is going to be really embarrassing. It's my first sortie doing any operation. I'm going to have to go because I haven't even managed to get any fuel from the flipping tanker. Wow. <laughs> That's a, that sounds like... Um... Hell of a lot of range for the, like for those ho- for those hoses to move around by. Oh, and behind the hook, it was, it was huge. And is that is that because of the propellers? If that's the right word. Yeah, and if it was a bumpy day, it seemed to just magnify it. Yeah, it was. It, you, you almost had to sort of. It was a bit of luck, really, wasn't it, boys? As you sort of went forward, you would just kind of hope it would 
come That's down. That's exactly we'll right. I, I went off to say down in uh, flying in the uh, down in the Balkans, and uh, they had said, "Oh, flipping heck, right, we're on Dumbo tonight." So uh, good luck, everyone. And uh, I went out there nice and Dumbo, uh, <laughs> and I was in first time. So I was like, oh, well, there you are. And then, it's uh, always time for a humble brag, isn't there? Then, but, and then the second time I went up in first time, I was like, I don't know what anyone's making a big fuss about. And, uh, and then the third time, it took me 15 tries to get in. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, and JB, that it's one of these norm, things. Yeah. Yeah, that was the average, to be honest. JB, it's one of these things that um, you can imagine, can't you? So uh, you don't get it in first time you think yeah all right that's all right you know you, you sort of wiggle your feet and your toes so you don't tense up on the controls um miss a second time oh it's getting a little bit more tense now especially with especially if you've got a crowd you know if you're in a big mission and there's a ton of aircraft hanging around this tanker everyone wants fuel and you're trying to cycle through and then you miss a third time and you start getting really tense and then you miss a fourth time by this point you are practically squeezing the life out of the stick going oh i don't want to be here and tell, i just want to go away tell me this are there any golf rules well, as in if you're really bad <laughs> at tanking you let someone through yes it's exactly right jb honestly yeah. you'll you'll get there and you're working some you've already, obviously if you kind of rip the probe off or didn't get any fuel you need to be able to still land and divert somewhere so everybody you can tell they're looking at their fuel gauges and you can just tell in people's voice they're squealing, going, well, how much fuel have you got? Oh, oh and obviously you've got two radio sometimes. But literally you go, look, mate, can I just have one quick prod? I'll just take 500 kgs, or a tiny bit of fuel, and then I'll go to the back of the queue. And you're literally, then there's some other mate go, hang on, I've got less than you. And, you know, it, 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 especially if you then miss after oh. you pushed it, that's when you feel a real dick. Yeah, <laughs> he's just made it an explicit point. Oh, I, 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 I had a, um, I won't tell the full story because it'd go on too long. But um, uh, one night over, uh, it was in southern Turkey just before we went into Iraq and in around sort of back in the two thousand two beginning of two thousand three, and all sorts of stuff were going on just just before the war started. And there was a, uh, so there was a line. I was in a, an American F sixteen. There were. A line of about three or four tankers, and when they fly about a mile apart and about a thousand feet or so separated, it's called a tanker cell. So you you are um, allocated one of these tankers, and you go to your particular tanker. You know whether it's one, two, three, or four in the cell. This particular night, and it was night. The weather was awful everywhere. There were snowstorms, blizzards all over um, northern Iraq, southern Turkey, and um, once you flown from the base we were flying from it was uh you were a long way away and there weren't many diverts available so pretty much you had to tank as soon as you got into that area so that you could then uh go into uh, go into iraq and we pitched up just after some stuff had been happening in iraq and all of the uh f-16s that have been doing stuff were really low on fuel and had no fuel for any of the diverts so, so say so say you had to carry a minimum of, I think it was something like two and a half, three thousand pounds it was in the F-16 to get to one of these diversions, the nearest one that was open. Um, these guys were coming in screaming over the radio. They only had a thousand pounds. So basically they were going to eject in the area um, and, and, or somewhere unless they could take fuel. And it was compounded by the fact that for whatever reason, all of the radios went down exactly at midnight because someone had put the wrong crypto Oh my word! 
And so all of a sudden, luckily, we all had radars. All of us in cloud, in snowstorms, are trying to find the right tanker when guys are screaming over the radio and it come back up to um, get out, for us to get out of the way because we had 3,000 pounds of gas turning up on this tanker and they had 1,000. That was a bloke uh, pitched up behind me who had about 600 pounds, which, as Parky remember, was he was going to flame out in about five minutes. So we, en- we ended up doing exactly what Parky just talked about. Where So... I joined on the tanker. You only saw it at about two or 300 feet because the cloud was so thick. These guys came up behind. When we joined, we took about 500 pounds of gas, went out to one side. These guys came on. Pressured, even in, that, um, in the, uh, the uh, probe, sorry, the, the boom and receptacle tanking, um, it was a bit of skill to get it in. And when the boomer was nervous as well, he could screw this up. And the, the first guy who had no gas whatsoever pitched up. You open the little door on the back of the uh, on the back of the aeroplane, the slipway, and the boomer he got into the right place. The boomer put the, the extended the probe out towards it, and then hit the side and scraped it all over the top. And I'm just watching these spark, what looked like sparks to me, um, in and around this aeroplane and this massive refueling aeroplane with with just tons and tons of gas in it. Thinking, oh, this is getting even worse. <laughs> But eventually the, the guy got in and we ended up doing this sort of merry-go-round around the aeroplane so that they then had enough fuel to go home and we had enough fuel to go and do the job that we were off to that night. Wow. There's, there's, uh, when we tank JB, it's kind of like traffic lights. So there's, there's, you know, a green light comes on when fuel is flowing. And I've all had, you know, you just, it's the best sight you've ever seen when those green lights come on. Yeah. And, and fuel's flowing because... I did one with, um, it, it, we were scrambled for some bears up, up north uh, from Scotland. And we, we were told suddenly to, to uh, RTB, to return to base, because uh, the lightning was doing its last ever scramble. So there was lightning on this Victor at the time. And it was going there. And then we sort of hung around for a bit. We had three tanks on this Phantom, lots of fuel, but we were way up north. So we then sort of headed back home. But then because it was so far north, the lightning had just so little fuel, he literally virtually had to stay plugged in or on the wing of the tanker and couldn't intercept the bears. So we returned, and then they suddenly changed their mind and went, right, you can actually tank and get the bears. But we then were too far, and it was one of those, it was like, oh, no, we are, you know, you sort of rework your fuels again and any sort of reserve you may have added, you just gaff off, and we then headed back and... You know, we would have been embarrassed if we missed it. I remember we were tanking up at about 33,000 feet. This little lightning was still just plugged in on the other Victor wing. It was choppy, bouncy. The hose was up and down. And I remember when I got in and the, the, the green lights came on, it, and, you know, we just filled up so that we had been so much petrol. But it, it was a... It was such a relief when that happened. I can well, it's, also, it's probably worth talking about because, um, of course, when we go and we take uh, fighters overseas, um, we'll do what's called a trail. So you'll go with a tanker uh, and you'll trail across with maybe, you know, four aircraft, uh, you know, maybe more, uh, maybe six aircraft on a tanker uh, and trail across to, to wherever you're going. Uh, and you would find that so the way you would plan it is that, you know, halfway across the Atlantic, you would have a point of no return. Uh, where you were then committed to go. So if you, you could be your point of return, if you didn't plug into the tanker, then you could turn around and go back to the div. You still had enough fuel to go to Larges or Bermuda or something like that. So, um, but at that point, and, you know, if you were the number, you know, the sixth aircraft on that tanker, 
and you're just approaching your point of no return um again you'd be like boys i need to get some petrol now and again as those green lights came on as uh, as parky said there would be that sigh of relief that you didn't have to turn around and go two hours back to larges Ugh. on your own well I'd, I'd one taken off out of bermuda where the first bracket so you had to tank directly out of bermuda in order to make it to the azores and again the weather was shocking and so it because you didn't have a radar Harry, what, what was that join that we used to do dunk where the, the tanker would take off oh no the fighters would take off go around the corner and then you join on the tanker as the tanker took off um, yeah, it was a, a was it a detchy join i can't I, i'm not sure it was detchy but i no, can't no, no, no. Uh, i can't remember what it was but so we took off around the corner joined and it was on a tristar with a centerline hose so it only had one single uh, one hose on it we weren't using the wing hoses off into some horrendous icing and they went, right, you've got, you're going to have to tank now. And I remember putting the probe out and just seeing a ton of ice on the end of this flipping probe, plugging and nothing happening. So that green oh. light wasn't flowing. And you just think, oh, I've used all of my tracking, just getting the thing in the thing. And there isn't any fuel coming. And what we had to do was just all of us had to do two or three plugs to get the ice off the end of the refueling probe before then the fuel was coming down uh, coming into the aircraft wow it was a Belize takeoff was a Belize pickup that that's Belize what we called pickup. it Belize pickup <clears throat> uh, yeah. I can't imagine icing was on was an, was uncommon uh, uh, well, it depends where you are yeah um, you know uh, at lower altitudes and uh-huh. this was straight out of um, straight out of Larges uh, straight out of Bermuda in the winter going into a, um, you know, massive black um, thunderstorm. And uh, it just, you know, you can see ice forming on the wings. And normally in a fast jet, it's pretty straightforward. You just climb or or descend out of it. And a lot of of aircraft have ice warnings as well. Um, But uh, but we were stuck with what we were stuck with on that particular day. We're ditting on a bit here, but uh, but I, there was in a similar way. We had a VC10. We had four Harriers in Goa. We we were over in India, and we had a VC10. Um, and um, the monsoon had arrived, and the captain of the base, so the Indian naval captain, group captain equivalent, um, said, "No, no, no, you you mustn't go today. You know we've lost Harriers in weather like this." So he said, "Right, you mustn't go." And we stayed there for days until one morning he came running, like you know, zooming down in his car, ran up to us, "Go now, go now." Um, and uh, said to the VC10 captain, "How long can you? Uh, how long does it take for you to spin it up?" He said, "We can be airborne in 30 minutes." It's like, right, boys, let's crack on. So we um, and they said, "Right, we just need 700 feet to retract the flaps." And the captain said, "Yeah, yeah, no, there's 700 feet. That's the cloud base line." So I said, "Right, boys, we'll do a Belize pickup. So we'll get the four jets. They'll take off. They'll spin back round, and then they'll pick the tanker up." So anyway, that's that's what we did. Off we went. Um, but the this VC10. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. ...gets airborne and as we got off the end of the runway at Goa, which goes, you know, straight out to sea, it's like, well, that's not a 700-foot cloud base. That's more like a 500-foot cloud base, which is quite exciting when you've got two aircraft joining on a big tanker and the the guy was um he, he couldn't retract his flaps until he got to 700 feet so he was reliant then as this cloud base got lower and lower on us joining so these four harriers came screaming board and as i, I as the the as the last one got aboard i saw him join on the right hand side and said you climb now so he climbed retracted his flaps and off we went into the monsoon and we spent the next two and a half hours in very close formation because as uh, you know god as was just describing about the, the snowstorms it was just very thick cloud just sat with you know one harrier on the wingtip of this vc10 and then the the other harrier just outside and then every hour just edge your way into where the you know where the baskets were going to be tank and then edge your way back out again so flipping it we were pleased when we came out the edge of that cloud just, after two and a half hours in there right stupid question incoming though okay but why can't you just go above the weather because i i'm just thinking that when i fly commercially it it's it's always it's pretty much always always clear skies and i assume that's because well it's clear up 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 high not always, particularly in the monsoon. It depends on when you're flying, and they'll probably route round. You know, any any particularly bad weather. We didn't have that. Oh, uh, yeah, of course. You know that opportunity, but also because um, right, cue underperforming banter. Um, the fact is that the the Harrier, just with its single engine, it couldn't. It, once it filled up with fuel again, clearly the performance of the wing would then because the aircraft was heavier it couldn't keep up with the tanker so the tanker would have to do what it's called toboggan so it might be at 24,000 feet or something like that and as you got heavier um, in a tanked aircraft particularly in a four tank fit then you had to ask for a toboggan so the tanker then had to start a gentle descent no. so that the Harrier could, could stay plugged in because otherwise you were at full power and you were just falling out of the back of the basket. Uh, hang on. So, so a VC-10 is quicker than a Harrier with lots of fuel? Uh, yes, at that height. Um, it's quick. It is. Most of are quicker than a Harrier. Jay. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> That's astonishing. It's, it's, JB, it's because, uh, you know, you get stuck behind, the, uh, it's, it's known as the drag curve, and then you don't have enough power to get on it again. I don't know what that means. So I'm going to pass that to Duncan. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> uh, it'll be it'll be really dull but effectively there is an amount of drag and and we call it the drag curve because there's a curve hello dunk 
drag yes am i am i not am i, am I... oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah i've got you know that. scott got bored yeah i'm not surprised no no dunk is excellent at this sort of you've got to remember right the dunk is excellent at this at this sort of thing he's explained to me a constant speed propeller which 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 is fantastic yeah. this is his wheelhouse now all right so you want me to carry yes on. absolutely <laughs> mate <laughs> all right behind the drag curve, so if anybody can understand it. Yeah, that is, yeah. I, I've got that to say that, I that the drag curve sounds like one of the bars that Goddard's uh, visits in Soho uh, 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 every weekend. <laughs> I do. How do you know about that? It's similar. It's similar. <laughs> Go on, That's Dunk. a good name for a bar, actually. Are we going to open a bar called the drag curve? Yeah. Uh, well, that is a good name for one, actually. Next door to Tailhook. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, well. Right, drag cut, curve, cut. Go cut a long story short so it's a u shape and if uh, the the bottom of the u is the least drag um if as you're looking at it you go you start moving left you're sort of now going behind the drag curve it takes exponentially more because the drag is now increasing as you get slower so as you're slow down your drag is actually increasing um then you need more and more power to 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 bring it back up to that min drag state and therefore um when you're heavy as i said you'd run out of power you don't have any more so you would need to speed up by getting the aircraft to both go down the hill does that do it no. do you remember when you do you remember when you had your first car and you took a hill in the wrong gear yes and it starts juddering and you're thinking oh you know i've got to now change gear get the revs back up and try and get going back up the hill so you're using more and more effort to try and get up to a speed where you can sustain up the hill it's that sort of thing wow well i'm just still amazed that a harrier would be slower than a vc a vc10 vc10 uh, was the fastest airliner in the world uh, uh, other than a subsonic airliner in the world yeah. um it's like point nine six or something it could do. I think you'll find the fastest subsonic airliner was actually made by Convair, and I can't remember what it's called now. Well, that doesn't count if you can't remember what it's called. Ah, how annoying. <laughs> how annoying. I'll find was it. Ray, um, was there some speed as well with the, with the Trogue out? It was quite slow, wasn't it? You couldn't, you know, even the VC-10 would slow down a bit, so you weren't really at an ideal fast yeti speed were you, you know, 270 the vt10 used to go to yeah i mean i remember tornadoes we'd, we'd end up having to put one of them in reheat one engine and then you'd just be sort of well min reheating and fecking the other one and clearly jb your fuel burn then your usage massively increases so as much as you're taking fuel in you're pouring it out the back as well so you know the last sort of yeah top, you know it's you, you really are wasting petrol in a way because you know you're, you're in reading the engines right boys it was a Convair 990A there you go never heard of it so VT10 fastest airliner in the, uh, in the world <laughs> it is interesting that though <laughs> um, now it was the Comet wasn't it who that's it the Comet wasn't Concorde the fastest airliner in the world? I said Subsonic Subsonic uh, I'm assuming oh I I, I I know that Parky has because he was just talking about it before. Um, how many of you guys have tanked off a Victor? Because that's a cool aircraft. That yeah. is a cool aircraft. Just Parko because he's the only one in his sixties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was in the sixties. Yeah. Were you part of the V bomber force, Parky? <laughs> 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 you know, 
No, as I arrived on the F4, the boys had just finished tanking off a Vulcan. And I think that would have been really cool. Wow. That would have been cool. Yeah, they had a couple of Vulcan tanks. I think Millie's dad was on it, wasn't he, at that stage? Just in sort of 80, 86, something like that. Mm. That would have been a cool thing to tank off. The, uh, well, I mean, that's a, that's a great book, isn't it? Uh, Vulcan 602? Yeah. Is that the Black um, Buck? Yeah, the Black Buck raid, which um, talks a lot about the refueling side of it because they had to add a probe to the Vulcan at that point. And um, the Victor, you know, there was about, what, five or six Victors that they launched from various places that refueled each other that could then refuel the Vulcans to get all the way down. You know, an amazing bit of calculation on a side roll. That is amazing. Yeah, um, who would have been in charge of planning all, all of that? Do you have? Do you guys have like a, a logistics core as such? Yeah, so I guess be a sort of tank would there. Well, yeah, it was it was the arc, wasn't it? So you yeah. have the every fueling owner was that coordinator, but the arc was the the, the person, the the officer that looked, that had worked out all of the fuels and had worked out where these points of no return were and how much fuel you could give at each point to make sure you could get to the uh, wow. the, the the destination. So it was you know, quite a complex task for them, um, but clearly it was their bread and butter. Even with Voyager, we still have them now. When we went out to Japan with the typhoons a couple of years ago, uh, the Ark is still the person in charge of the trail. That's what it's called. It's called a train. Um, move the aeroplanes with a tanker from uh, you know, one part of the world to another part of the world. And um, they're in charge of everything from uh, customs to when you land, getting food and fuel and all of those sorts of things, accommodation, when you're going, what the weather is. So, you know, your your life's completely in their hands. And they then they'll brief you the refueling plan, those points of no return and so on that, that Doug was talking about, and then monitor it airborne and make sure that people are taking fuel at the right places. The fuel burn is what they had um, predicted on the on the computers that they used. Um, and uh, just, you know, make sure everything is tickety-boo and make the big decisions as well about, right, we're not getting through that weather, we're going to divert the entire formation. We divert the entire formation. You know, I remember turning up in Bermuda with, I think it was 12 Harriers, three VC, two VC-10s, uh, a TriStar, two Hercules, and a, and a Nimrod. You know, you've got... You've, there's a fair old bit of hotel rooms or tents or whatever it happens to be required in places like that um, if you're just going to turn up. So, and one of the things that, uh, that it, again, it's worth talking about on those things is actually the, the most difficult thing to, to deal with sometimes. We talk about all this excitement of, you know, rattling around on the wing of a tanker in cloud and all the exciting bits. The worst bit's the boredom just mm. sat there in a goon suit which is your you know a, a dry suit effectively rubber seals on your neck and your wrists and you sat there for two hours in your in your jet just doing nothing and after you've done a couple of you know games of word search between the aircraft <laughs> and it goes quiet and everyone's like and you know every of i spy Exactly, yeah. And, you know, one of these... There's a uh, lot of C, S, and A up there. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> it was uh, tornadoes. Um, they hit each other, didn't they? Did they? Oh, well, the crew went to sleep. Yeah. They decided to have a quick kip. Oh. I don't think they decided to have a kip. <laughs> Tell you what, you set the alarm. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm amazing. Like, would they be the players to play, uh, to play Battle of Hell or something? <laughs> Well, no, we've talked about that before. You're not 
So, just looked up Black Buck here. Um, so, there were three waves. Inclu- so, there's two Vulcans. In the first wave, there were four victors. In the second wave, there was seven victors. And in the third wave, there was a further four victors. And I'm sure there's some pretty nifty technology and computing power behind tanking now. Imagine doing all that by pencil. Yeah. Amazing. Isn't it just? It was Martin Withers. Uh, yeah. Is he who wrote the book? But, um, still around, and uh, we used to see him on the display circuit. Withers, and, uh, McDougall, and Reeve were the bomber pilots, the Vulcan yeah. pilots. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we should try and get Martin on, shouldn't we? we should well, I, I spoke to him. I, I sat next to him at the Royal Albert Hall when we had the RAF uh, centenary um, do there, and. Uh, talked about possibly coming on and he was up for it so uh, i'll just uh we'll get hold of him and, and maybe talk, do a, a special on the black buck super yeah that that'd be absolutely awesome right okay wait a second godders do you have any questions go what about tanking, about tanking. no <laughs> questions from twitter i, I mean I, I never quite worked out how to do it uh, right, so here's one from uh, chris baldwin at uh, Seaboardwind79. What's the best advice you could give for someone learning to fly? Not specifically military, more for someone thinking of a private licence. Oh, question. Yeah, I'll go first on this. I would say build a relatively enormous bank balance first. (laughs) Have you looked this up, JB? I might have. I I was going to say make sure you have as many landings as you do takeoffs. Very good. Yes, that have makes you sense. got as many landings as you've got takeoffs? Uh, yes, I have. Yeah, um, I am going to count my Harrier escapade as a landing, so I believe I have. Well, it definitely hit the ground. Yes, yeah, that, that's what I was I thinking as well. I walked away from it. Yeah, you've not banged out, have you? No, no, the old one in a field, but technically I landed it. In a field? Yeah. In a field? Well, you haven't been trying if you haven't put it in a field. Yeah. Well, when you say in a field, you mean you overrun the runway? Yeah. Well, We've spoken about this, haven't we? I'm not sure, did we? I, I, I distinctly remember you not getting a hawk off, off the ground, Dunk, and I distinctly remember God, uh, God is flipping a hat. Ha- no, not flipping a Harrier, sorry. Uh, just, you know, gently crushing it. What? what Gen- remember, yeah, what? Gen- gently ripping the wheels off it. Yeah. Uh, Poggy, what did you yeah. do? Mine was very low-key because, luckily, it was only a Big and Hill air show. So, you know, not like loads of people were there watching. Uh, oh, good. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it was before it had been re-tarmacked or something or other. So, essentially... Excuse, was, Matrix. Yeah, yeah, excuse yeah, Matrix. Klaxon. We need a Klaxon. I got away with it because they discovered the anti-skid fell completely. But the parachute came out and it sort of... You know, you just jumps on the brakes and nothing really seemed to happen. There were no, most military, well, all military vehicles have distance to go boards, but at Big which was quite short for Phantom, there's no distance to go. So you don't really know, and it's got a hump in it. And I was landing on the the northerly direction. So you remember this, Dunk, you can't see the end of the runway till you go over it. And I can remember vividly thinking of not slowing down. Imagine his eyes. I mean, I mean, it's exactly we, we what I'm imagining the, as he comes over the brow of the hill. <laughs> over, over the brow of the hill. I'm still doing about 100. And, and literally the grass is about, I don't know, you know, a few thousand foot in front of me. And my eyes must have been like sore, so like, oh, my God. And I went screaming into this. Uh, luckily, it was a field. 
you know, on that one. There was nothing there. And it went for about another sort of 1,500 feet of the field and eventually came to a stop and I shut down. And uh, there was no damage to the aircraft. It was a you know, solid old girl, the Phantom. And then, you know, they flew it off. And then about a week later, it went into the cable at Lucas and it had anti-skid failure and they discovered it had this snag. So uh, I got away with it. But uh, I was sweating on it for a week. Oof. So does that count as advice to poor old Chris, who's just asked us what, um, what to think about before you go flying? I'll tell you what, my answer to that would be um, definitely do a taster lesson first just to see whether you're getting on with it. Do you think you boys would enjoy uh, doing a PPR after whizzing around in Spitfires and fast jets? Would that not be a little bit too... Um, I, did, I did mine recently, actually. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I'd had it before, Enjoy but I, um, I got it up and running again, and uh, it's great. So I've been uh, in the summer, uh, a friend of mine's a little aeroplane called a Piper Clipper, and it's great. There's just, there's actually a, a real sort of um, back-to-basics beauty about it. It's great. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd agree with that. It's lovely. There you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so there you go. Go and get yourself a taste of lesson, Chris, um, and make sure you've got enough cash after that. It could take a while yet. Um, just a, a question from Mark, um, at Mark um, GSXR. Is Parky on Twitter yet? No, he isn't. On Twitter, feel free. <laughs> yeah. Someone, I think someone said they are going to start some sort of fake Twitter account. Um, uh, who's this from? Uh, HZ, uh, Henry Zhang's. Um, the uh, I haven't seen the rest of that one. Uh, sorry, Henry. Um, which non-UK US fighter jet would you like to get your hands on? Rafale, Gripen, or Flanker? Oh, out of those, that's a good. Rafale, Gripen, or Flanker? I'd go Flanker. Me too. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd go Flanker. Big, Why? Big bad boy. Looks awesome at an air show. Big yeah. Fun. Full house. That's a monster, isn't it? Now, yeah. just on this, did anyone see the pictures of the newly refurbished or refitted, as I should say? Uh, is the carrier the Charles de Gaulle? De Gaulle? Yes. Yeah. Did you see the picture of the hangar and all the tightly packed Rafels? No. Did it, oh, find the picture and tweet it. Oh, it's magnificent. Did, and did, any good pictures on the walls in the hangar that they've? Uh, no, it just struck me as as a bit of uh, you know like a logistical masterpiece to fold up all these fast jets and get them all all in all, all in the hangar. Uh, so I will tweet that later. It, it, it's quality. Um, tell me the flanker why? Just because it's big and it looks cool, looks scary. Yeah, I think as well the fact that it's you know it's Russian, so it's a, it's like I think all of us would have liked to have flown you know a Focke Wulf one ninety or a Messerschmitt one hundred nine. It's just the other side, you know, just seeing what it would be like. You know, they, I've, I've sat in a flag and I bet you it's... When was that? Quite different, quite different from a Western... Co- it felt at the time, you know, how it was. That was at um, Fairford at the uh, air show. I, I was doing a formation with a flanker. And it, what, how, how, in what way did it feel different, Parky? Just the... I mean, it felt very cultural in terms of its sort of switches and some of the sort of just the... You know, some of it was very modern, very funky, and some of it was just a bit weird. I remember sitting in the MiG-29, and it was the stick was so high, and it had, you know, brakes on the stick like a Spitfire. So not with your feet, you, you, you know, used your hands to brake, which was weird, I thought. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, because you talk about it. Uh, I, I spoke about it at the start of the podcast, those Sri Lankan uh, My-17 helicopters. And um, what you've just described there, 
Parco is that you know that uh, it's you know I, I guess what we imagine is that Russian build quality, which is uh, you know you can fix it with a hammer, uh, and all of the all of the switchery and the and the inside of this aircraft. We went and uh, and had a look in them and sat in them uh, was exactly as described. It, it just felt really quite basic, um, but that you could you know crash it three or four times and it'd probably come out all right. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to find the you know, the flanker. With the flat nose, and you can sit side by side. SG thirty five. Is it thirty five? Yeah. Is it? No, it's not. That's not the thirty five. The thirty five is the flanker E, isn't it? So just have a look now. But that I think that's phenomenally cool because, of course, like I've mentioned before, sit next to your mate, mate, and have a chat and you'll share a coffee. F one eleven, one of the greatest aircraft ever. Yes, true. I told you about that. That little escape capsule that used to eject. They didn't count an ejection. But the if they landed in water, the um, the stick became a bilge pump. Oh yes, you said. <laughs> uh, just a quick one on build quality of MIGs, etc. Now I don't know if you you know this. Do you know that MIGs have two separate intakes for air? Yeah. Do you, because the the well, idea they've got intakes above, haven't they as well? That's right. Because yeah. the airfields are such a mess and there's so much debris every, everywhere, they use the, the, the top intakes to take off. And then when we're in the air, they just use the normal ones. Yeah, well, you know, you're just basically a giant hoover, isn't it? And if there's lots of stones around, it doesn't do your, your MIG engine much good. No. So, mm. yeah, I think uh, survivability, well, um, ag- agricultural qualities are at the forefront of their mind. Well, yeah, and we talked, I think we talked about before, didn't we? The SU 25, the frog fur where you can put um, aviation fuel, petrol, or diesel in it, and it still runs. <laughs> uh, do, Straight fact. Do, do you boys ever watch the old... Did you ever watch the old series? I think it was called Warship, or the equivalent when they're on the aircraft carrier. Yeah, I remember that. So one of the guys on there was telling a story about how they didn't do a deck sweep properly, or they had loose stuff on on the deck, which effectively grounded a whole Harrier squadron when they came into land because it just sucked everything up. Yeah, yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. The Harrier was a massive hoover when it yeah. came to that thing. Mm. Yeah, I mean, this boys have been ground crewing F-16 and we had to be really careful. And there was one Dutch ground crew mate who got sucked into the intake. Oh, God. Was wearing a kind of belt with something on it, and it kind of wedged, and you know, literally just the sort of the first stage of the engine was just sort of shaving his hair, and they kind of shut the engine down and hoiked him out, and he was a little bit shaken, I think. Jesus <laughs> Christ! Hang on. So he got sucked into the air, and his belt caught on something. Yeah. So if you can imagine, just sort of trying to jump into the the intake of an F-16, it's you know, that sort of oval shape. You know, luckily something just caught and uh, he didn't get sucked all the way down. He just got kind of jammed, pulled him out by his feet. Thank God for that. Oh, my God, that's, there, that's one of the most There's a couple of videos online, JB, of exactly that happening. There's one, I think it's on an A-6 on a ship. Um, fortunately, the guy survived. How? You see him just... Whoop, How could you um, possibly and- survive that? Well, he didn't go all the way through, obviously. He got wedged <laughs> somehow. Yeah. Yeah, but like, it looks because there was 8,000 little versions of him the other side. <laughs> oh, God. I have seen the, um, I have seen the after effect of someone who has, who's actually gone through the whole engine from an, air, I think it's an Airbus. It's, it's, it's horrific. I can't think of a worse way to go. Well, actually, 
I can think of lots of worse ways to go. But still horrendous. In your mafia days. Sorry? Talking about the wood dipper in your mafia days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, it's 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 on par with that. It's on par. So, but before we go completely off track, so uh, does that help Rhodes, with how? What was the question? Uh, that was no, that was flanker. So that was uh, Rafal um, Gripen or uh, flanker. Oh, cool. I'm just confirming the question wasn't which way, uh, which is the best way to, way to die involving a gas engine. Good. So, so, <laughs> so, we're, so, we're, so we've covered well, we've, we've covered that one nicely. Wants to text that in. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, like, like yeah. <laughs> So I'd Catherine like Rose to drop on me from a gantry. <laughs> <laughs> you mean lowered gently onto you, wasn't it? Caligula or someone who died like that, <laughs> except with a horse or a jet engine. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, there is the um, just whilst we're on the subject, there is the horrific story that um, people or, or people in the army who've served on tanks tell i don't know how true it is it sounds like an urban myth but the guys that slept underneath their tank and it slowly sank into the ground overnight Ooh. i know it sends know. Ooh, shivers down you yeah what's the next question goddess um so this is from Catherine rhodes uh, i've actually met a couple of times over at fairford um lovely lady magician, magician. Um, my job is a hobby for many people your job is my hobby so how do you unwind away from your Biggles world? Parky, we don't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> we go fly, don't we? I'll just remove the gimp mask. <laughs> oh, I let's it again now. Oh, no, we've ruined it. <laughs> we were uh, doing so well. Yeah. Well, so what do you do? Dunk cycles I around cycle the planet. Around the place, don't I? That's probably what I do. What's the last big? What's the last well, big cycle you did, Dunk? Sorry, everyone was talking at once. What's One the last time, please? What's the last big cycle that you did? Uh, I did a hundred mile um, back in October, um, which hurt a lot. I went out today though in the miserable rain, and went and did uh, twenty today, but uh, nothing, uh, nothing too big. What about you, Parky? Drone racing these days, is it? Yeah, I need to fire those bad boys up. Uh, I'm, I'm building. I'm going to get one for Christmas. Do some building. Building a wall. <laughs> Megan, are you parky? What's that? Are you making America great again? No, no, no. no <laughs> it's similar sort of scale, to be honest, but uh, different location. Oh, right, OK. Just, just to clarify that. Apart from Parky's from wall though. building, though, he does fly... Uh, do you call them first-person, Parko, the drones? I mean, they, they do look awesome. Yeah, I was going to get... Uh, well, and God, as you're you're wanting one for Christmas, I think. If, yeah, I'm uh, going to get one. Point. Got it. You got it. They are the most fun. But uh, annoyingly, my my lad is utterly brilliant with them. So it's called FPV. I think it's first pilot view or first person view. So you, it's got a little camera on the front of this thing, and you sit there quite sad, wearing goggles. <laughs> uh, fly past yourself. You see this sad little man, his neck kind of bent over. You realise. Fully <laughs> 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 <Probably> naked. <laughs> But uh, they're just unbelievable. We they've got them, so we got a couple of them. And when my uh, my lads up, we uh, we sort of deliberately try and have mid airs, and we've we've managed to have two just absolutely point at each other at a location in the garden and hit each other, and it's just brilliant. And how do they handle and stuff? Is it quite easy to fly? 
they, I think you, you probably want to have a go on a computer first. They, they've got different modes in them. So you, you, if you go full up, they are fully aerobatic. They've got, it's got a, a quadcopter thing. They're not very big, but you can do... I mean, technically you are looping, but it's not really a loop. It just sort of flips over, and you can do forward loops and all sorts of stuff at ridiculously low level. It, it is it is brilliant fun. Are you wearing, like, a, a virtual reality headset type thing? Yeah, exactly. That's so it. you're wearing these sort of this thing strapped to your head, looking pretty sad. I like that, because that allows you to fly remote-controlled air, aircraft without the, without the shame of being in public, because you could do it in a van or something, couldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> It's a good call, yeah. All <laughs> from your house. <laughs> no, I do, it, I do it in the back garden. I do it in the privacy of my back garden. <laughs> uh, yeah. Godders? Uh, not very sad, really. I think I spend most of my time driving um, a teenager to uh, various rugby matches around the place. That takes up almost all of my time. Yeah, but, you know, that's sort of what I do for a hobby as well, which is just go to various rugby clubs and watch, and watch rugby. Yeah, this is true. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's not the worst thing in the world. No, but it's good. I would like, I, oddly enough, though, I, I do want to revalidate my PPL um, and just do a bit of flying about. Um, because uh, when I have done that before, I did it. Uh, couple or three years ago when i was last in a ground tour and it, it, it is really cool you know you go for a trip out for the day and um you know maybe nip over to france that sort of thing that's gonna ask can you just go anywhere yeah well like if we just took off today and we went over to france let's not let's not include brexit in all this discussion but like as things are today you could just get in the air go to france and land somewhere yeah yeah do you not- planet and go, go land at le touquet or something like that do you not have yeah. to go some customs place, but uh, it's it's pretty easy. Do you not have to book um, like a slot to land at or something? Or no, if you if if you're flying visual flight rules, um, you don't have to. Um, I think I'm right in saying you don't have to flight plan. You might have to flight plan because we're crossing international. Yeah, I think you, you yeah. fly. Yeah, yeah, you do. Don't you? So how yeah. far will one of these? How far will one of these little planes get you? I think the, the, you know, most of them will fly for pence, you know, they vary. It's, uh, yeah, four seats with about four hours of fuel and they'll cruise at about 100 and something. So you've got, you've got a range of about 450 miles. Wow, well, you can really get get quite a lot of places there and with a little refuelling stop. Yeah. It's amazing how handy they are. Someone should have thought of this before. Yeah. Well, did you see, did you guys see there's, uh, there's uh, a couple of RAF guys, I think from Bryce Norton, who are uh, flying a, a little light aircraft um, they, I think they flew for Bryce down to New Zealand. No, it's, and po- so they, it's Poti. They, wow. Uh, I, think, I think it's Chris Pope. It's Poti. So they built it, and then they're flying it as part of RAF 100. Crikey. And they're, they're flying it to New Zealand. So what is what's the aircraft that they built? What type is it? Oh, I, I can't remember. It's a homemade. They might have designed it themselves. I can't even No, it's, it is. I've, I've flown in one. It's a glider tow type aeroplane. Uh, but they put a, it's a two seat with a sort of little baggage area at the back. But that baggage area, they converted with an extra fuel tank. So I think I'm right. I think I'm sure I read something the other day that they managed to get 11 hours endurance from it. That's really cool. That's really, really cool, actually. Uh, I'll, I'll, again, I will put, I'm writing this down. I'll put the link out on Twitter to follow those guys because the story is interesting. Um, uh, it's, I've just had a little look. It says that they've completed their. Uh, oh no, I'm looking at the thing. Disregard, disregard me. So, uh, uh, is anyone familiar with the band Green Day? 
Uh, yeah. My favourite band, in fact. Really? Yes. Oh, okay, interesting. The lead singer. Um, I'm pretty sure he circumnavigated the globe in something like a Gulfstream, which he flew himself. What? Yeah, that's that like that like that's his that's his hobby. Uh, well, it is it is um, Potey, Chris Pote, and uh, it is a Eurofox light sport aircraft. That's it, Eurofox. I've flown one. Dunk is the other guy, Manners. Uh, oh. bum, 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 bum. No, uh, Parky Manners is doing a home built aeroplane that I don't think he's finished yet, which he is then going to fly around the world. Yeah. Okay, there you go. I can't hmm. see. I think it just. I think it might actually just be. So well done, Potey for screwing that way good lad hey um i've got a um a book club request oh yes uh, it's for it's for godders um and um a friend of mine um corny he uh, he asked right what was the book by mike sabansky is what we thought it was he said that you'd mentioned it on a previous podcast godders mike sabansky Hmm. That one. Was that one of them? Or? It said, what's the Mike Sabansky one about the Polish fighter pilots? Oh. I know what we mentioned it. Um, wasn't it you that mentioned it, Doug? I don't think so. We'll, we'll, we'll find out. <laughs> we, we, we won't do the thinking on air. We'll, uh, we'll tweet that. Did the two-seater Harrier have a probe, Doug? <laughs> Did I fly Harriers? <laughs> no. <laughs> Actually, I, um, I did a little look, and I think the thing is, I think you could put one on there, but it wasn't. On, they weren't. They weren't on there day to day. Yeah, I d- we didn't have them. I don't think we did have them. No. Anyway, fi- final question. <clears throat> Go on. Final question. Final question. Uh, this is uh, TB um, at TLB seven eight nine. Um, what red tape is involved in displaying military aircraft with civilian aircraft, e.g. MH434, which is that lovely Mark 9 spit, uh, leading the Red or BBMF in large warbird formations? Um, what has been your favourite unique display formation? All them. We must all have one of them. Whoa, good question. That is a good question. It's very difficult to answer, though. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, what about Dunk... You know, when we, you, sorted out uh, the two Lancasters flying with each other, you know, we needed a, a civilian and a military uh, approval, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, we did. Um, the MAA and, uh, yeah. yeah, there was a, you know, it was, I guess, getting the permission from the people above and them having the appetite to, you know, to do it, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And when we did the... Um, uh, we did the um, what we call the public display uh, approval. <clears throat> then we had um, Matthew Hill from the CAA come and look at the civilian side of the uh, of the house, whilst our air officer commanding came and looked at the military side. So it had to be signed off, you know, from from both sides, both a military and, uh, and civil perspective, before we could go and fly those aircraft together. And what was your fate? Was that? your favorite unique display formation you you guys must have done a ton in the reds did you do concord at all vulcan yeah um any of the other stuff yeah, well I, i've got a, i've got a few <laughs> i suppose but I, mean, yeah. I think the two lanks one for me with so it was me and parko actually so it was the first 
proper display we did and we and i may have banged on about this before but there was huge thunderstorms um and for some reason in fact matthew hill had, who came to 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 look at the uh, the dis- do the display authority um our first display we were it was so tight against the timeline that we actually did the display uh, authority display approval in the morning and then we had about an hour for a sandwich and then we we then flew down to the first display down at eastbourne that afternoon and there was huge thunderstorms and uh, Matthew had flown in his little airplane he diverted apparently into duxford but our um, our lancaster navigator navigated us around these thunderstorms and the first fly pass that we did um down at north Field. so the route that we took down there was that we flew all the way down past cambridge and then down between stansted and luton to but uh, where and then you turn left at where into north Weald, and the airspace down there means that you had to fly at about 1400 feet was the highest you could possibly be so Parkey and I, both in Spitfires, then descended down with these two Lancasters, the first time they'd ever uh, been outside of the Coningsby airspace together, and they're on the way to this display. And as we turned left to go towards North Weald, these huge, these two huge thunderstorms were sat there with fort lightning coming out of them. And there was just almost a biblical gap in the middle, just with light that you could see through. And it was exactly where North Weald was. And we then came into formation with the two Lancasters formating in line astern. And Parky and I were then escorting these two aircraft um, as we approached the, you know, the famous Battle of Britain airfield of, of North Weald, um, and just this sort of slit of light, which was just big enough for well, two Lancasters and two Spitfires, as it turned out, to go through. And we came out the other side, and it was sort of a glistening day. You could see the city of London, and we carried on down to uh, to Eastbourne then to display. So that was a that was a pretty special moment. Marco, hmm. did you do Concord or anything like that? I did do Concord, yeah, for the uh, Golden Jubilee in 2002, which was awesome. Concord looked just outrageously beautiful in the air, you know, just just extraordinary. Um, I think any, I, I really enjoy flying warbirds with jets. It was, you know, in 2015, I did the synchro display with the camouflage typhoon. That looked so cool in, in close. Um, and I, you know, a, a really weird one, I remember going out to Holland where I'd done my exchange took a, the Mark 9 the Silver Spitfire she was there MK out to Learwarden and got permission to do a, a, a three ship with a hunter I led it a hunter on a wing and the it was a bright orange F-16 display jet on the left we did a few sort of passes information and then I went into my solo landed the F-16 went into solo and then the hunter did and we sort of did a bomb burst to get into it. And it was just a really cool formation and, uh, you know, had a beer afterwards and thought, what a great day. Just fabulous. Yeah, I've got a couple. I mean, obviously, I didn't, you know, didn't uh, have any super wacky formations. Uh, there weren't many anniversaries going on at the time I was on BBMF. But in the opposite way round, I was flying a Typhoon in line astern on Smithy. We were doing, uh, it was over at High Wycombe. And we were doing a fly past four. Um, I think it was the CNC was leaving. And, um, I mean, that was pretty exciting. Sat there in my typhoon, feeling all comfy, knowing what Smithy was going through in the Spitfire in front, trying to find the place. Is that um, the way he throttled back? Yes. And if I, if I had raised the air brake, I would have hit him. Because <laughs> he basically slid 
uh, onto the top of my aeroplane. It was so close. Um, it must have looked amazing, which it didn't normally happen with my formation. Um, but, then, uh, but then another couple of times, um, you know, just in a jet, formating on F-22 for the first time, I love that because that jet is like the Starship Enterprise. Um, we, did, we did a two-week exercise with them, and uh, essentially I had a holiday romance with that aeroplane, one for another uh, podcast. Amazing bit of kit. Uh, and actually, oh, I know, Dunk, you were as well, but do you remember um, uh, when Jarvo, sick, good friend of ours, Matt Jarvis, who ended up dying of cancer probably in about 2002 now, wasn't it? Um, we'd organized, uh, someone had organized a, uh, he had a trip in a, one of the things on his bucket list was a trip in a Spitfire. So got him a trip in a two-seat Spit. Um, and that was the first time I went flying with the Reds, actually, uh, where I was in the back of one of the Reds, and we um, and uh, Jarvo was in the two-seat spit as we were in what do you Vic, you know, Big Vic or something Big like that. that. Yeah, 2004. That was yeah, it was 2004. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was a pretty special day, actually. We were all in it, weren't we? Yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. Parker, you were there again, but yeah. Yeah. No, gets no, everywhere, no. Parker, doesn't he? Yeah, it, uh, you'd replace Jarvo, hadn't you? I know that was the, the thing. What a such a tragic story, you know. It was just twenty nine and uh, and diagnosed with with cancer, and uh, yeah, I essentially I, I took his slot. You know, I remember coming back from Cyprus and going, "Mate, I'm in your jet." And he was he was just so cool about it. He was just a, a, a brilliant guy, you know, wonderful. And uh, yeah, tragedy really, what a loss. Yeah, that's brought it down. Yeah, yeah. Sort of, uh, brought the tone down a bit. Uh, you started it. <laughs> Sorry, boys. I've just got a bit of a correction here. I said Green Day about the guy who, flo- who flew across the world. It's not. It's the lead singer from Offspring, Mr. Holland, who's bought himself uh, a... Looks like... I oh, don't know what it is. Small little golf streamy type thing. And as it's actually flown... We know about golf stream. You almost destroyed a golf stream, JB. Yeah. Do, do you know, I've decided I want to get into the um, business of selling golf streams to wealthy people. Do you think that, that think that that would be a possibility? Yeah, that'll probably be fun to PPL. Yeah, yeah, that probably would. Uh, yeah, so that's pretty cool. Um, have we uh, got any other questions? No, but I was just going to mention Bruce Dickinson, the lead singer of Iron Maiden. He's a, uh, isn't he an airline pilot? Funnily enough, um, there is a whole documentary about him in a 747, because that's how they went on tour. Did he fly it? Yeah, yep, yeah, he flew the whole thing, from what I understand. That's, that's pretty cool. That it? is very Rock. cool, isn't it? That's extremely Rock cool. Style. In fact, I don't um, think, do you know what we've not mentioned all episode? Only that, we've, that we flew the A380 sim. Oh, the debrief. We haven't done an on-air debrief, have we? We'll have to do that next time. Can we save that for the next one? Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be six hours of Mason critiquing us. <laughs> Let me just consult my notes. Well, Give me a second. Some feedback as well. well um, I can't do it now because I, I haven't got my notes. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I'm sure I had something else to ask you all, but it seems to have disappeared from my mind. So we'll leave it there, Sh- shall we, gents? Yes. What a good natter. Indeed. Uh, I've got more tanking stories we didn't even talk about. Oh, imagine. <laughs> um, right, uh, I don't know, Gordon, why don't you do the usual stuff, telling everyone where they can find us on social media. They can find us on at Pilot Episode Pod, um, and uh, myself, Ilka, are on there, as uh, Goddess Twit and Doug Major, uh, 22, I believe it is. And the first one's um, set up parking. Yeah, and that's true. And, uh, and Parky 
we're going to talk. It's Doug Major 222. And obviously, JB, you are at J Beardmore. I am. Um, you can write to Parky. <laughs> Use second class stamp. It's uh, the old BBC. farmhouse with London W28QT or whatever it was, BBC Television Centre. Excellent. There we go. Uh, until ne- I say next week, I don't know why I say next week. We've never done a podcast in consecutive weeks in our lives. Until next time, and I don't know when that will be. When will it be? Four weeks? Two weeks? Three weeks? Something? something. Christmas soon, isn't it? Are we going to Christmas edition? Christmas? Uh, yeah, Christmas edition. We probably can. An extra festive podcast. Well, and, until until then, until that time, we will uh, we will uh, we will see you then. Okay. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. 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 Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.